The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Tennessee, Virginia, Arizona, Louisiana, and New York. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $10, and get $200 in free bets. Download the Winbet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We'll support you by PropStop, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use a promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropStop.com or download the PropStop app. We're also brought to you by Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-belt grooming. Use the promo code SGP at Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. We're also brought to you by Stable Jewel. Stable Jewel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with one entry. Head over to StableJewel.com and get started today. Also, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and all of our free podcasts. You are listening to a midweek EPL special here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Also follow the Twitter account for BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. At BetMUFC. That podcast this week will be coming out earlier than usual. So you'll be able to get that in the next 24 hours. Also follow the Twitter account for LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com at LockBetting.com. That is my betting pay service that has delivered 105 months in a row of Transparent Track Profit. And this month, we'll be looking for month number 106. And we are just three months away from saying we are undefeated in sports betting every single month for nine years. If that sounds good to you, come on board over at LockBetting.com. Do your due diligence, have a look at the spreadsheets. The spreadsheets are always available at the Twitter account at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. The pin tweet is the previous month. The P&L for the month of February is available now. So you can go look at the month of February as the pin tweet. But once you're there, look at these little tags at the bottom. They say things like tennis, NBA, football, soccer, NFL, etc. One of them says P&L. That will shortcut you to all of the other previous P&L. So you can see this is legitimate and transparent. You can see members' comments at the bottom. This is one of the main reasons that I use Patreon because it allows me to be fully tracked and transparent. The only drawback of it is, is that's a weird billing cycle because it will bill you as soon as you sign up. So that will be for this month. And then it will bill you again on April the 1st, which is fine at the moment because we're just a week into the month. But when it gets down to 15th, 20th, 25th, 30th, you're losing serious value on the month. So get involved ASAP. Have a look at the spreadsheets. Make sure it's a service for you. It's all very sensible. You won't see five unit maxes or 10 star plays or 25 million unit whales. Any of that nonsense. It's all sensible. It's for everybody who has any kind of spare income. And you could turn
turn this into a second income. So check it out. Make sure that you can also get all of the sports. We do a lot of NBA props. We're making money in the NBA nearly every single night, making money in tennis. And you guys are already familiar with what I do with the soccer stuff and the UFC, boxing, etc. from the EPL shows that have now been going out for six, seven years and the fight show as well. So if you want to get my additional content, it's all available for you over at lockbetting.com. Moving on with this edition of the EPL show, we only have four games to cover. So I said I would quickly touch on what is somewhat of a controversial subject, but it's impossible not to talk about it because it's happening at the start of every game. I don't know how long it's going to carry on for. I'm talking about the Ukrainian tribute ceremony, whatever you want to call it, at the start of every single game. Now, I'm not ice cold and emotionless, and I'm not someone that has no sympathy towards what's going on, because there are innocent people involved in this in, in, in this war that's going on. But the fact is, is that there have been a lot of wars that have been completely ignored. So from my personal perspective when you when you see this and you see things that have been ignored like Libya, Iraq, Yemen, it becomes a little bit personal for me in case you guys have never seen me. I'm not a white Caucasian person. So when you see these massive tributes that are going out to these blonde hair, blue-eyed people of Ukraine from a personal perspective, and I'm trying to take the personal side out of it, I'm a little bit confused by it, why this has become the front-page news war, the the war that killed COVID. I mean, Putin is a great doctor because he cured COVID, because suddenly it's completely dead and out of the picture, and nobody's catching it anymore, according to the mainstream media. Everything has moved over to this. And you're portraying the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, as a hero, which I don't understand because there are options, albeit a concession to Russia and Putin to give him what he wants. But there are concessions you can make to stop this. But you're asking for for help from the West and the the West, the media of the West, as they do, are, are lapping it up and turning it into a massive story on a daily basis. And then we have... These people who stand for everything, who are now suddenly, you know, moving away from get your double jabs to I stand with Ukraine and everybody's standing with Ukraine and everybody now has moved from being a doctor to a politician. Now, I know I had some views on the last thing that happened, which was which I was just talking about, the the jabs and COVID and whatnot. But, you know, there was a lot of medical information coming out and in relation to sport there was a lot of football matches and and other sports being stopped due to medical incidents shall we say and I and I was asking why are we having these medical incidents what's the reason for all of these stoppages what's the reason why Aaron Rodgers and Djokovic don't want to be vaccinated there there were questions here and there's questions here as well is that why is the why does this war supersede other wars and um, why does the West see it fit to prioritise this in its media coverage more so than, than anything else that's happened? It, it's, it's a little odd. And suddenly we're, we're stopping the start of football matches to pay tribute to this. And this is the biggest issue I have with sports in general. It's not a case of I don't care about BLM or Ukraine or 
I have a strong stance on something to do with COVID. But before a soccer game starts at the moment, it's played still under under COVID protocols. We know there's COVID protocols still going on. We see some players coming off the buses wearing masks. Um, We still see those outdoor interviews, which I love, by the way, because the fans can see the interviews on the pitch. Um, which which is fun for them. It's an up it's an up and up close and personal uh, experience with for the players with the players for some people who who won't get that close. They don't necessarily go to training grounds and whatnot like I take my son. S- but but it's still we still have the COVID protocols and we still have the the cloud of COVID hanging over us when we do have these medical incidents and people often ask is this in relation to the vaccine? Is it not? I'm not even going to say because I'm not really allowed to on this show, but I'm just saying that we have this political cloud over us. We then take the knee before kickoff for Black Lives Matter. And now we're adding this Ukrainian tribute to the game. So we are entrenched in politics before we start a game of soccer. People go to, and I'm not, as I said, I'm not taking a side. But people go to these things to get away from life, to get away from their stresses, maybe things with their family, girlfriends, work, whatever it may be, whatever your stresses may be, you often like want to escape to to go to a sporting event. Now, obviously, your stresses won't be relieved if you're a Man United supporter because mine aren't. I think I end up more stressed and depressed watching my team. But the whole point of it is... Everything is a release, sports a release, any form of entertainment which sports falls under that umbrella, I would say. It's there to entertain you, should be a release from life. And if you're bothered by things that are going on in the world, if you're affected by COVID, if you are affected by things in the news from from Ukraine, if you are somebody who feels a certain way about BLM, I don't think you want all of this stuff paraded in front of you and your soccer game politicised in this way. I just think that we don't need to mix all of these things and I don't see what it achieved. Did, did the war stop because the soccer players acknowledged it? Um, did, is, is Black Lives Matter any better? Is racism better because they started taking the knee? I've just reached a point in my life where I've started to avoid the news I'm waiting for normal and not the new normal, the normal that we had at the end of 2019, which we haven't had since. Like I'm just waiting for normal and the news is a daily reminder that we are not heading towards that that normal. We are in terms of one thing, um, but with COVID gets replaced by propaganda telling us that we're going to World War Three. that's not where I want my head to be at. And when I watch a game of football, I don't want to be reminded of all of this. And also, in some way, it's already an agenda because I'm not saying that Russia are in any way right in this, but there are two sides to to everything. There are two sides to why any war starts. When a war starts, one person thinks they're right, the other person thinks they're right. And the large majority of people are completely behind Ukraine and completely behind Russia without really knowing too much about what's involved in this situation. But at the end of the day, people will side with and be influenced by simply what the mainstream media is saying. Now, the reason why this is 
even more prominent in the Premier League, not just because of what we're seeing before games, but because of this whole situation with Roman Abramovich. Roman Abramovich is the man who came in and took over Chelsea and absolutely transformed the EPL. Roman Abramovich may be the reason why the EPL is so dominant. Now, let me explain that to you. He was the first one who came in, this first billionaire from out of nowhere that came over and took over an EPL club. He made Chelsea into a force out of nowhere by investing large sums of money into this club, bought in Jose Mourinho as the manager, and suddenly Chelsea were a team that were winning EPL titles and attracting massive players. So he was a game changer in the EPL. There'd be no EPL, there'd be no Champions League winners medals for Chelsea had it not been for Roman Abramovich, who's now won two of them, by the way. Now, he's being forced to sell his club because of what's going on in Russia. That's the first thing. The second thing is the new Newcastle owners spoke out about it, and I'm going to play the clip now. So have a listen to this. I mean, is there a risk as a, from a financial investment perspective that something happens with Saudi Arabia and all of a sudden something similar happens here? Absolutely not. I would never have... I was so confident about the relationship. And it's not Saudi Arabia, it's the Public Investment Fund. Um, I knew there was only one investor for, for Newcastle, main investor. And I knew who it was. And I knew that there would never be any instance that this would be um, the wrong relationship for us and for the fans. And, 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 I'm, and I'm looking forward to seeing that relationship flourish and grow. But... Uh, I, I, I know, I also, my chairman is, you know, incredible friend as well as a colleague. And he, he can be, um, he like, you know, he says, don't give me half full, 100% full. If you deliver 100% of the business plan, you should have delivered 200. He's, he is, a, is, is, you know, driven, ambitious for Newcastle. And I, I, lo- I relish that challenge. We relish that challenge, Murdad and I. And I think the, the wonderful people we've worked with at, at the club, they also have really got to know uh, PIF as, as colleagues. So I don't okay, think I'm going to open it up to audience questions. Um, I think one of the things that we made sure we did the Premier League test was we did show that there was that separation. Um, we don't have, you know, we run the club very much as, and PIF run the club as an autonomous, I've said this autonomous institution that is run separately. Um, and I know that, and we, you know, we are aware, but I appreciate your comments. I don't think whatever I can say to you today is going to convince you of anything otherwise, and, and I, whilst I appreciate your comments, I do think that um, they, they're not entirely right in this instance. I don't know anything about the plane, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know what you're referring to, but I will go back and, and look at that particular point. Um, the trip to Saudi was really important. I felt that I was there. I was there. You know, I took. I went out. Um, my husband was in the in the UK with Steve, and we were working on the transfer window. And it was a really bonding experience for the players. And and you know, I think you also we, we're always going to have geopolitical issues. This world is never going to not have problems, Tariq. And I know it's really hard. And I'm really sad today that someone is going to have a football club taken away because of relationship they may have with someone. I don't think that's particularly fair, actually, to be honest. Um, But I also think that we have to be, we have to hold all of our relationships to account. And I think that 
we've also got to remember with Saudi that it's an incredibly big, important country with that I love. I love the people there. It is a young, vibrant population, and I've seen Saudi change so much. And I'm not talking now as a as as Newcastle, or I'm talking as me. So these are my thoughts because I've I've really got to know a lot of people, and I'm excited that I'd rather everybody look and get excited about football than being than being involved in war. So if we can create great content, and I think the Premier League is the greatest league in the world, and I think we've got a real tough game ahead of us. So I, I appreciate your comments and thank you for them anyway. So we're going to unpack very quickly what she actually said, and uh, we're going to address the response to those comments as well. But before we do that, let's have a listen to this from UK Parliament. We've got our government discussing Roman Abramovich and if there should be sanctions on him as the Chelsea owner. So this got all the way to UK Parliament. Have a listen to this. Mr Speaker, Roman Abramovich is the owner of Chelsea Football Club and various other high-value assets in the United Kingdom. He's a person of interest to the Home Office because of his links to the Russian state and his public association with corrupt activity and practices. Last week, the Prime Minister said that Abramovich is facing sanctions. He later corrected the record to say that he isn't. Well, why on earth isn't he? Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, it's not appropriate for me to comment on individual uh, cases at this stage. Uh, but, uh, and it is, but what I can say, uh, and, and, and I, I, I stand, Mr Speaker, by what I've uh, said in the House and, uh, and what we've put on the record... Uh, but uh, be it no doubt that the actions that we've already taken, that this House has already taken, are having an effect in, uh, in Moscow. And by exposing the ownership of properties of, of companies in the way that we are, uh, by sanctioning uh, 275 uh, individuals already, a further 100 uh, last week, uh, the, the impact is being felt. So in that clip, you had Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party, and Arsenal season ticket holder wanting sanctions to be put on Roman Abramovich and Chelsea. And Roman Abramovich, of course, is now selling Chelsea. He apparently has plenty of offers in the region of three, three and a half billion. And Chelsea will be sold soon. But that was just crazy that that's got to Parliament. And it was crazy, the response to the comments there of um, Amanda Stavley, the chairman now of Newcastle, or the Newcastle director, sorry. And she was absolutely hammered for what she has to say. There was no debate. There was no other side of the coin. For me personally, I thought there was some validity to what she said. But because she's coming from a place where they've been taken over by Saudi owners, suddenly that became a a case of don't throw stones from your glass house. Whereas before... The Saudi side of things, yes, some people spoke about it, but it was largely overlooked by the media who suddenly wanted to talk about how this was so great for Newcastle and how Newcastle would now be a force for the top four and talking very quickly about what players they should buy. And and rightfully so. That is the part that sports fans want to listen to. And it wasn't so much the case in the sporting media But suddenly we've had this crossover to the sporting media and now she is public enemy number one. And now it's a case of, oh, you're from Saudi. Shut the fuck up. You shouldn't be saying anything. You're under Saudi ownership. You went to Saudi. You took the players to Saudi. 
And that was the response to it in the mainstream media, that there was no validity to what she had to say because they've already picked their side in terms of this Ukraine and Russia conflict. There is no debate about it. And if you do in any way steer away from the narrative and aren't in complete agreement that the narrative in the mainstream media is something that you follow along with, you suddenly become public enemy number one. I could be saying controversial things here when all I'm simply saying is that I fail to understand why this war is of such a public interest, why this war is so big to the West, why this war is so big to the mainstream media, why this war has killed off COVID, which has dominated and ruined our lives for so long. Why not other wars? Why was it not the same case when America was bombing the shit out of certain places at will? Why is it this one that's gaining so much attention and focus? And I'm not also saying that we should focus on all of these other wars more so. Perhaps, yes, inside the inside the media we should. But I don't see why all of this has to cross over to sports. I don't see why any war has to cross over to sports. I don't see why we take the knee for BLM when it comes to sports. I don't see why we are politicising sports. I don't see why sports is being, or why, why Roman Abramovich's ownership is being discussed in Parliament. I don't see why Amanda Staveley, who is giving an interview, is all of a sudden buried and the, the background of, of Newcastle's owners is being under, being put under the microscope now more so, and why that's brought up as a reason to bury her for what her opinions were on another owner in the Premier League. I, I don't understand that. And I also don't understand why this Ukrainian president is being portrayed as a hero, why we have people putting up Ukrainian flags. I'm sure a lot of these people didn't even know where Ukraine was a month ago, and this is the this is the problem with, with social media and, and certain people. You stand for everything. You stand for everything that comes about. It's bandwagon to bandwagon to bandwagon. Um, we saw people fully invested in BLM. We saw people fully invested in whatever their side of COVID was, having arguments about vaccine or not vaccine and take your two jabs and wear a mask to save others and all this stuff. People were very much heavily invested in, oh, do the right thing, do as I do and do as I say. We, we saw that. And now we see people standing for Ukraine. I stand for Ukraine. I will take my picture off my profile and I will replace it with the Ukrainian flag. And listen, that's cool with me. I don't care. Um, if that's really what you believe in, if you're strongly passionate about this, if you've done your research and you feel that that is your side and this is where you want to rest your hat, then that's fine with me. But let me just say this. If you stand for everything, if you stand for everything, the more that you stand for, the less you stand for. If you stand for everything, you actually stand for nothing. That is the irony of the situation because you suddenly risk becoming a sheep and a puppet who really has no mind or opinion of anything. You're just jumping from bandwagon to bandwagon. And I think people need to be careful not to be that person. Uh, I think if you want to stand for something, if you want to go to great lengths to say, I stand for this and I believe in this and I believe in double jabs or I believe in Black Lives Matter or I really believe in Ukraine. I understand everything that's going on here and I'm strongly on this side. That's fine. But pick one. Don't jump around for, and, and support every new thing that comes around and basically virtual signal on social media. 
because it's becoming unbearable because you can't escape it on television, you can't escape it when you go to a sporting event, and you can't escape it when you when you log into your Twitter account or, or, or whatever form of social media you see. You're just suffocated by politics and people's opinion and the new bandwagon that they're on at, at the moment. And let me reiterate what I said at the very start, because I'm sure that'll get lost in the shuffle. In no way do I not sympathise with these people, with these innocent people that are being dragged into the war. What I do have an issue with is the crossover into sports and politics, the selection that this war is prioritised and these people are prioritised over others, the hero worship of the, the president and the, the burial of anybody that has a contrarian opinion about this, including Amanda Staveley, who expressed her thoughts on another owner in the Premier League. And I do agree with her. I do think it's unfair that the that the Chelsea owner has to sell up his club and his asset because of what's going on elsewhere. He didn't start this war. And, and I'm saying this as a Manchester United supporter. It greatly benefits me as a Manchester United supporter, the same way it benefits Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party, as Arsenal season ticket holder, the Roman Abramovich, a man who has changed Chelsea, a man that has made them a mainstay in the top four, challenges for the league. They're in the Champions League every season. They won it last year. He's the man responsible for that. And it does benefit all of those clubs if Chelsea now become lesser, lesser than they are off the back of him leaving the EPL and not knowing and leaving that that doubt in terms of what will happen under a new ownership. And um, that is something where politics heavily, heavily affects the direction of football and what's going on in football, where you have a massive question mark over a major club and their future standing in the EPL. So let's move on with what we're here for on the show. We're here to break down these EPL games, these four midweek games, but I thought that was a good window to talk about that situation because it's hard not to. An owner of one of the clubs is being forced to leave. And as I said, in my opinion, this man in particular is the biggest influential factor in terms of why the EPL evolved, why we saw these new owners come in, why we saw clubs having a larger investment in foreign players, in top, top foreign players, and which has helped the EPL become the biggest league in the world, which in turn has subsequently helped the EPL become the main force in the Champions League every single season. I think people will agree it's very difficult to not see an EPL club winning the Champions League this season. Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea, I still think, are the main contenders. And I think it's them versus Bayern Munich, especially with the elimination of Paris Saint-Germain last night. I think that was absolutely shocking. Obviously, for those of you guys that listen to the Champions League show, you've heard that we got everything right in relation to that game. I said to start with a money line play on Real Madrid because of the fitness doubts of Kylian Mbappe. And if he plays, to add over two and a half goals on both teams to score. And everything with that came to fruition. But wow, how did PSG blow that game? And that puts massive question marks over Mauricio Pochettino. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that at the start of BetMUFC. So make sure you check out BetMUFC this week. We'll talk about the whole Pochettino situation. And if he's the man who oversaw that that shocking collapse by Paris Saint-Germain last night, he was the manager who oversaw that shocking collapse. And he's also the manager who you know, delivered a rarity by failing to win the league with PSG last year. So that's two massive failures during his PSG tenure. 
Now, is this the right man? A sacked Spurs manager. He was unbelievable for Spurs. Yes, yeah, got him to a Champions League final, but ultimately he was sacked. Now he got the PSG job. He didn't win the league with PSG last season. He's gone out of the Champions League in an inexplicable fashion. Is he the right man for Man United? We'll talk about that over on Bet MUFC. So moving on with his first game, ironically, we do start with Chelsea, who were not affected by things going on off the pitch in their last game, winning away to Burnley. They now come away to Norwich, where they are once again expected to win. That's why they are the 2-7 to favourites. It's 9-2 to on the draw, and it's 11-1 to here on Norwich. I think Chelsea will win this game. Um, I feel that they're going to have too much for Norwich. This feels like a game where it's similar to the Burnley game, where Norwich put some pressure on Chelsea at the beginning of the game. But once the breakthrough comes, there's only going to be one winner. I think there's value on Chelsea to win to nil. That selection is available at plus money here at 11 to 10. After that, I'm looking at Chelsea and under four and a half goals as a safer way to play it. But there's a lot more juice in that selection. You have to take that at three to five. Chelsea come into this with the joint best defensive record in the EPL. Chelsea have only conceded 18 goals a season. And Norwich have the worst attacking record in the Premier League with just 16 goals scored so far. And Chelsea have kept a clean sheet in four of their last five competitive games. So... I think that Chelsea will win this game. I think it will have a definitive pattern of pattern of play. Sorry, and I think Chelsea will find the breakthrough here against this Norwich City team. I think this team are going down this season. They have only scored sixteen goals. They failed to keep a clean sheet in the last five Premier League games, and they've also lost four of those games as well. So Chelsea to win to nil will be my selection here, and we start with a plus money selection with Chelsea to win to nil available at eleven to ten. Up next, we look at Southampton versus Newcastle. These were actually two of the informed teams in the EPL at the moment. And Southampton are the even money favourites to win here. It's 13-5 on the draw. And it's 11-4 here on Newcastle. I think this is going to be a game where there are some goals. I think these are going to be two teams who play freely because of the fact that they have confidence at the moment. And I see both teams finding the net in this one. That selection is available at three to four. Both teams to score has been a winning bet in seven of Southampton's last nine home games. And they have actually scored in each of the last 12 on their own turf. Newcastle come into this having scored in each of their last eight games. Newcastle's five wins in the last Newcastle have five wins in the last six and are unbeaten in seven in all competitions. Both teams to score has been a winning bet in four of the last six Premier League meetings between the two teams. And Newcastle come into this without a loss in eight Premier League games. So difficult for me to take a side. I think this one will play out into a score draw, one all, two two, something like that. But I think both teams will find a net here in this one. This is a strong play for me and would probably be the lock on a show if we were doing one. I'll explain why we're not at the end of the show. Up next, we move on to Wolves versus Watford, where Wolves are the five to six favourites. It's twenty three to ten on the draw, and it's fifteen to four on Watford. Wolves have had a little bit of a dip in form. 
But for me, Watford are a team in free-for-all, so my main lean will simply be to take Wolves on at the money line. But this could be a team, uh, this could be a game, sorry, that features goals. So I'm going to go for both teams to score here because it's been offered to me at plus money at 6-5, to five, plus 120. This Wolves team have conceded in eight of their last nine games in all competitions. Now, this is one of the best defences in the Premier League, but they have conceded a lot of goals as of late compared to previously when we're looking at them coming into the February period. Watford themselves, they've managed just three clean sheets in 13 Premier League away games and have conceded 50 goals in 27 games. Both teams to score has been a winner in two of Watford's last three games and in two of Wolves' last four. And this Watford side, they're averaging one one goal per game and Wolves are averaging 0.9. So if this is a game that sees both teams scoring, I think it could only be a one-all draw or a 2-1 win for Wolves. I think if both teams find a net here, I can't see Wolves going crazy and scoring more than twice. And there is a little bit of value here on the one-all draw. I know I took Wolves on the money line as my lean, but if I hedged that, I would hedge it here with a one-all draw, which is available at the price of 7-1. to one. Final game we're looking at here on this slate is Leeds at home to Aston Villa, where Leeds are the 8-5 to five favourites. It's 13-5 to five on the draw. And Villa shade favouritism here at the price of 6-4. I like Aston Villa to win this game. Jesse Marsh started with a loss as the Leeds manager. He started his life as the Leeds manager away to Leicester. And he changed things a lot. They were a lot more defensively organised, which I was surprised with. Because Jesse Marsh is similar to Bielsa tactically in terms of implementing the high press and liking lots of energy from his players. That was his problem when he went to RB Leipzig because um, Nagelsmann is a selective presser and he, he coaches it differently, whereas um, whereas Marsh is more high intensity and it wasn't really something that the RB Leipzig players were, were accustomed to and never really adjust to him. So he's come here and he's doing something completely different to what I saw him do at RB Leipzig. Well, at least for his first game anyway, where he set his team up to, to get something from that game to be a little bit more compact and organised. It didn't work ultimately because Leicester came away with a win and Leicester aren't a team who are in solid form. So I think here there's a lot of value on Aston Villa to, to do the same here in terms of being able to penetrate and go on to win the game. Leeds come into this having lost their last five Premier League games, failing to score in four of them. And Aston Villa have won the last two games to nil. Villa have won two of their last three in the Premier League away from home. So until I see something different from Leeds, I'm not going to take them, which is concerning because they're banging this relegation race between themselves, Burnley, and despite the fact Brentford won away last time to Norwich, I still think they're in the conversation. And I think ultimately Watford and Norwich are down. So I'm going to take uh, Aston Villa here as a pick. And they are the slight favourites here. So the pick line on Aston Villa is available at 5 to 6, minus 120 here in this one. There is no lock on this show. If you follow the Twitter account at SGP Soccer, you will see the lock on this show was supposed to be the Tottenham-Everton game. We took Tottenham on the money line. This this show was supposed to be out earlier, but things were changed because of the situation with Kiel and Mbappe. I immediately needed to get the Champions League show out in order to tell you guys how I planned to play that game initially. Uh, Kylian Mbappe did ultimately end up playing. I think we knew that pretty clearly at the start of Wednesday when he was included in the squad and uh, footage of that injury came out and it looked like a pretty bad tackle but it looked like nothing more than than it would be a serious bruise and that's probably what it was because he was massively influential in the game and I thought not at all responsible for what happened to PSG um, in that game but that was ultimately why 
I went onto Twitter and said, I need to prioritise this Champions League show, and that means taking this game off, not to oversaturate the feed, and therefore I'm going to give you guys my lock for free on the Twitter account at SGP Soccer, and I posted the lock there, the one-unit lock on Tottenham, and that was much needed. That was a lock that got us back on track. For those guys who reached out to me and said I did not get the Scamessa Italia lock because the Scamessa Italia show came out on Friday and the lock for that show was on the Friday game. And I know a lot, a lot, not a lot of you guys listen as early as Friday to the shows. So I said, if you want a bonus lock, DM me on the, at the SGP Soccer Twitter account and I will give you a bonus lock. That bonus lock was Arsenal on the money line. That's the lock I should have taken on the EPL show, uh, but I did end up giving it out to people for free on Twitter if they DM'd me a review of the Soccer Gambling Podcast. So those two lock winners were desperately needed with Tottenham and with Arsenal because that gets us back on track because we were on a little bit of a bad lock run losing five in a row we turned 24 and 4 to 24 and 9 we now sit at 26 and 9 and that's not just for the EPL show for the year that's just our EPL selections overall we're having an incredible year so we're 26 and 9 with the EPL we're 3-0 with the FA Cup, undefeated on FA Cup locks. We're 1-0 for the World Club Championships and we are 12-3 with World Cup qualifiers and the African nations combined. So 12-3 on that. So that is a very, very solid year. 12 losing locks throughout the entire year and we have 42 winners, 42 and 12 overall. So those that were very quick to make comments when we were on that poor run where we did drop four or five in a row. That wasn't four or five in a row in terms of four or five in a row for the EPL show. That was that was five in a row for EPL-specific picks. Sandwiched in between that, we did have FA Cup winners. And of course, as I said, we landed a lock on the World Club Championship. So a solid year overall, 42 and 12 so far. But uh, our best year is way out there, 47 and 11 for 2018-2019. That is going to be very, very difficult to top. In fact, I remember when it happened. I remember when that season concluded. I actually said to Sean and Ryan, this has set the bar very, very high. This is going to be impossible to top. I've almost done myself a disservice by by doing so well with this 47 and 11. The following year was followed up with 43 and 17. And last season, that was tougher. That was 38 and 15. So you could argue I'm getting worse with the locks, but at the end of the day, we're still delivering phenomenal numbers. And if you'd offered me 42 and 12 at this point of the season, at the start of the season, I would have taken it. So let's try and deliver a winning lock for you guys this weekend. The next edition of the EPL show will actually be available in the next 24 hours. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out BetMUFC and all of the other podcasts that we do here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. Also check out my podcast that I put out on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network as well. Because once again, we swept another edition of the fight show covering another UFC card. UFC 272 went the same way as UFC 271 with maximum profits and another winning lock. So if you're not somebody that listens to the fight show, make sure you check that out next time it's out, whether we're covering UFC, boxing or the WWE because the next one will be covering WWE WrestleMania. That's it for me. Good luck with all your bets as always and thanks for listening.